welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, and we are rolling. Welcome, everybody. It's another Thursday, another episode of the Bro Novo Podcast. My guest this week is Kamika Diaz. He is the creator of the Hawaii-verse which is a place for all things local and supporting local Hawaiian businesses. And he also runs the uh, Hawaii Verse podcast, which is a podcast that promotes local uh, Hawaiian figures, businesses, and culture, and has some raving reviews as a fellow podcaster. Some of the reviews on this show that Kamaka has created are pretty amazing. Some of them saying, bring the truth from the Hawaiian islands, a, a true deep dive into the local community. Another one saying, I haven't seen much current mana'o being shared anywhere else, so it's exciting to see it here. And lastly, I love how Kamaka brings on guests that are open to talking about controversial and important issues. And with that, uh, all the way from Hilo, Hawaii, welcome to the Bronivo Podcast, Kamaka. Hey, how's it going, Thomas? I'm going to give you your, your first Hawaiian lesson. <laughs> so it's Kamaka. Kama- Kamaka. Yeah. Kamaka. Kamaka. Thank you, man. Thank you for correcting me. So <laughs> is the, and then Maka is I. So it means the I. But my middle name is Kupono, which means righteousness. So it's like the righteous I, which means the one who sees things in a good way. And a lot of Hawaiian, Hawaiian names have meaning like that. And I like I like that you, you throw in some Mana'o over there. You throw in some Hawaiian words. I appreciate it. <laughs> for sure, man. I appreciate you sharing You know your culture. And that's why I wanted to chat, um, just to make sure I have it again. So, Kamaka. Kamaka. Or Kamaka. 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 Okay, perfect. Cool. (laughs) Kamaka. Cool, dude. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for being here. And yeah, so I originally, I went to um, the islands for the first time last year. And then this last time, uh, I went again and I was doing some reading on the history of, you know, the illegal annexation by the United States of the islands. And kind of the connection that was forged between the islands in, in the U.S. And I was interested to learn more about you know current day culture. What does it look like? What's going on? And that's how I came across your work. So, you know, what are you what are you doing with the the uh, the, the program and the podcast? And, and what is the work that you do at this point? Yeah, I kind of do a bit of everything. But for Hawaiiverse, I, I was part of the founding crew, so I'm a founder. But Two guys, they had the idea when we were in Hilo, also from Hilo. They brought me on to be like the host, the promoter, kind of just the face of Hawaiiverse when we first started in 2020 um, in the midst of the pandemic. So they brought me on. We started with 40 businesses in Hilo as a way to just, you know, give back to the community. We started as a coupon directory with just 40 businesses in Hilo, kind of like a local version of Yelp and Groupon. And then we expanded. We went... Um, we expanded to Oahu and statewide. So now we have over a thousand businesses um, in Hawaii and we just, yeah, we just try to do everything we can to support local. We also have an e-commerce section, which is like a, a local version of Amazon or Etsy. So we're basically just trying to be the number one entity in Hawaii. And then the, the podcast is just a branch of that. So we can focus on the local figures and share their inspiring stories with the community. Yeah, so I'm fully. That's amazing. That um, in the, 
And then part-time, I'm a Peace Corps recruiter. I was in Madagascar for three years. So that's my, my side gig. Awesome, man. That's incredible. And so the, um, the podcast seems, to, and I guess the Hawaii-verse overall seems to have a great reception because, I mean, you have, it seems like, great traction with the, with the, all of it. So it must have been, must be filling some kind of need or gap uh, for the community. So what what is it, you know, on top of promoting businesses and driving revenue, that kind of thing, what do you think the deeper layer of the need that you guys are servicing with with promoting the culture and the, and the services you provide? Yeah, I, I think it's really just being a voice for the people. I think especially during the pandemic, everything kind of became a little bit more skewed where we only got our our source of information from, you know, from the media. And, you know, censored media, you know, the news and um, um, mainstream mm-hmm. media. So I think podcasts are super cool because it's, you know, free form. It's, you know, these long in-depth conversations where you can really get to know about a person and hear their opinions. And, you know, you don't have to be afraid to express yourself. So I, I think what, what people really love about it is, you know, I, I bring on these local figures that, you know, are very prominent in the community. But, you know, maybe you see them in like, 30 second clips on Instagram, maybe even the politicians, you see them, uh, you know, those like quick little debates where they can only share the, their thoughts for a minute, maybe two minutes. So when they get to sit down with me for an hour, hour, half, and we just talk about everything, I think people really enjoy it. And it makes it more relatable. Like, oh, this person is just like me. This person goes to the beach. This person surfs just like me. This person doesn't like this or likes this just like me. So I think, I think the thing with the Hawaii Verse podcast is it's just relatable to the local community. And I, I'm a native Hawaiian. I grew up speaking Hawaiian. So I get to bring that side of it to the podcast, which I don't think a lot of people really have that side. Uh, because we have a lot of Hawaiians in Hawaii, but not, not everybody is, is super connected with the culture. You know, there's this disconnect because like you said, there was the illegal overthrow in 1893 and then, um, followed by that, they banned our language. So we could even speak Hawaiian in our own native land up until the 1970s. And then they, you know, reinstated it as an official language. And I think in the 80s, they established these native Hawaiian preschools. That's uh, the preschool that I went to. And they started the Hawaiian Immersion School. So I'm super blessed that I got to, you know, be part of the Hawaiian Immersion School, learn the culture, learn, every, learn everything hands-on, speak the language. So I get to share that perspective with a lot of people. Um, and Hawaiian was a dying language. I think at one point it was less than like point something of the population spoke Hawaiian. But now there's this renaissance and, you know, uh, I, I feel like I, I get to be like, a, you know, a, a real voice for the people. And um, every everything we, we talk about is just, it's real. And yeah. Yeah, man, it's super real. And as a host, you have that very casual welcoming style i would say you know even even for these folks you know even though they're they're figures in the community maybe they've never been on a podcast to talk specifically about hawaiian culture for example you know and you can kind of make them feel comfortable and and encourage them to be their authentic selves yeah well i appreciate that yeah i like to i like to pride myself in being able to talk with anyone I've, I've lived abroad, and like I said, I lived in Madagascar, so I've had conversations in Spanish, Malagasy, Hawaiian, so I figured if I can have full conversations in those languages, I can have a conversation in English. 
<laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. So that one of the things that you know, I I learned even from your show that I didn't know, and I think this speaks to just how much um, a lack of information there is in the mainland. Is saying like most mainland Americans, for example, would say Hawaii, but you say Hawaii or w- with a V rather than a W. Yeah. And, and to me, that really struck me as like a great representation of how much <laughs> I don't a lack of information there is. You know, it's like even the the name of something is important. You know, and if all these people are saying the name wrong, it kind of points to the the more underlying. You know, not knowing the history, not knowing any of the first thing about a place. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. I think that's a you know a big thing that we we talk about on the podcast, and just you know that I talk about with friends and family is uh, the lack of education on the Hawaiian Islands. And you know, the reason I say Hawaii, I mean, sometimes I say Hawaii, it just comes out, you know, because we've been conditioned to say that growing up, and you just hear it so often. But in the Hawaiian alphabet, it's A A E O U. So, so the V or the W is more like a V. So we say Hawaii, Vai. You know, and but then there's there's different you know pronunciations too. Sometimes the V could be like why, like why. Sometimes you say Vai, sometimes you say why. So you know, there's there's a there's there's different, I guess. I don't know if it's dialects, but just like, you know, how our, how our kupunas, how our ancestors used to speak versus how we speak now. Um, and then stuff like Honolulu, when people say Honolulu, when it's Honolulu, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of right. things like that, but it just comes down to just, you know, that's what they hear that when you're, if you're not from here, you don't hear it all the time. If you just get your information from TV shows, movies, you know, you're going to, you're going to hear Honolulu. You're going to hear o- Oahu, Kauai you know, Hawaii, stuff like that. So I, I, that's why I think it's really important for people before coming here, before going to anywhere, honestly, to learn about the place that you're going, the host country, the, the state that you're going to. And yeah, I, I just think there's very little information about Hawaii and the Hawaiian history. Um, like, I don't know, maybe what did you learn in school about our state? And some people would even say it's not a state. Some people say uh. it's a sovereign nation. You know, there's... There's all these topics to debate. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think the education I've received has just been what I've sought out, you know, and I've learned the first contact was in 1820 by missionaries from the mainland. And there was this kind of gradual stripping away of rights of Hawaiians, um, starting with the sugar trade and kind of using, using that once like the, business people from the mainland got a sniff of all of the, you know, potential for a cash crop of, of sugar and then kind of manipulating the local government and eventually by arms forcing the queen to sign away her rights essentially. And then eventually because of the, uh, I think it was the Spanish American, Spanish American war, the location was, was strategic for the United States and the president annexed it. And even there was in the 1990, in the early 1900s, like the U S government said, acknowledged that that was an illegal move. Yeah. But there's the, there's no rights given back, you know, it's, the apology bill or apology act. I think Clinton signed it or something. Yeah. It literally was sorry. Yeah. This, that's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. 
we'll just do our other yeah. hands and other eyes, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of... For sure, man. And, and what, what kind of sparked me down this was like thinking about, okay, like, oh, what an amazing place to visit. You know, what wouldn't it be so amazing to be able to like own a house there? And then it's like, well, actually, I don't have any rights to that. I would feel... I don't feel, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, as a person from the mainland, for example. So all of these, like you said, are kind of the questions and, and the thing that kind of sparked me or kind of indicated to me that there is this underlying situation is the like symbols of the independence movement. So say for example, the upside down flag, mm-hmm. um, you know, and seeing that and looking up, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, Honestly, there's a huge difference between like us here and mainland America, you know, the continent. They're, the culture is totally different. So it's, I mean, some people don't even realize that Hawaii is part of America. And I would go to uh, other places and, you know, I, I'll talk to people and, you know, some people <laughs> didn't really like America. So I always had like a, like a scapegoat, like, oh no, I'm from Hawaii. Uh, we're not part of America. So then they automatically, <laughs> especially, you know, when like political stuff are going on and, you know, all these, um, what is like tragic events. But yeah, I, there, there are people who say we are not American. We are Hawaiian and they, and it's valid. It's, it's totally valid. Um, but I, I, for me personally, you know, this is the hand we were dealt. Like we, and especially because I worked for the American government in the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, that was a, a weird, you know, struggle, internal struggle for me. Because I was supposed to, in the Peace Corps, you're supposed to promote American culture to the host country nationals. And I know I was in a foreign country trying to promote American culture when American culture is still foreign to me. Because Hawaiian culture, the local culture here is so different than what we, you know, you guys have on the continent. You know, if you, if you come here, I mean, we're a, more influenced by Japanese culture. You know, we take off our slippers, you know, we eat rice, you know, we respect our elders. We do certain things that, you know, aren't necessarily American, but because we're still under the scope of America, I think we're just automatically tied in. But I think people just need to realize that, you know, all, you know, being American or living in America as a person in Hawaii, it doesn't equate to national or like um, ethnicity, you know, like I'm not, I'm American by citizenship, you know, by nationality because we, you know, technically we're in America, but everything I do, I wouldn't consider it to be American, you know, my culture is Hawaiian, I'm proud to be Hawaiian. When I hear the national anthem, I, you know, I don't feel patriotism. When I hear the Hawaiian national anthem, when I hear the chants and the song, that's when I feel pride. So I think there's a lot of people who are like that, a little bit more radical, you know, extremist, a little bit, you know, then there's some people who, you know, don't even care. It's like, well, you know, you drive American cars, you eat American food, or you do all this stuff, but you're saying you're not American. And so there's, there's this huge internal conflict, you know, between people here. And it's, it's ongoing, you know, and uh, it's, yeah, I, I love talking about this and um, I don't think this <laughs> topic will ever end. I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. There's just different opinions, different perspectives to it. 
Certainly. And I, I would think that you have a forum to facilitate those discussions on your show, right? Because you're having local people speaking, a local audience engaging. So that could be a good, you may be, maybe host like a panel discussion. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool to one day have like a live audience, a live podcast where we have different guests and it's almost like a Q and a, or we just talk about different things. I think in the future, I definitely want to do that. I, I think that's a great idea. For sure, man. One of the things that drew me to your work as well is just the willingness to talk about difficult subjects. And that's one of the things that I try to promote in my show, particularly among, you know, people on the mainland. So also white men like myself, because I feel like there's a pretty severe lack of accountability when it comes to, okay, socially, given the history of the United States, you know, people that look like me are at the, um, have many social advantages, many privileges. What are, what are, what's going to happen as far as dealing with those privileges, acting responsibly, increasing the wealth of opportunity, that kind of thing. Um, and those are discussions that don't really happen a lot. So I think it's awesome what you're doing. And, uh, I wanted to, yeah, just have you on just to, to learn more about all of that and kind of the issues of the day, you know, mm-hmm. um, but a a few things I picked up. Um, so you said on an episode that you don't drink Mm -hmm. and I found that interesting. So what, um, what are the reasons that you started that or maybe you never drank and what are the things that keep you uh, consistent with that at at this point? Yeah, I just, I never drank. I've tried like, you know, just to taste. I've never been drunk. I think the most I probably had was maybe a beer. I remember the first time I drank alcohol was sometime in high school, maybe like sophomore, junior year. And I was playing FIFA on the Xbox with my friends and the <laughs> loser had to take a shot. So I lost uh, and I took a shot and I tried it and I was thinking, wow, this tastes like gasoline. Why do people drink this? This is terrible. Uh, so after that, I was like, well, why would I drink that when I can drink an Arizona iced tea that tastes way better and is 99 cents? So, you know, since then I was like, <laughs> never liked the taste of alcohol. And I, Hilo is actually one of the drunkest cities in the U.S. There, there's a poll where, you know, mm-hmm. Hilo is voted as one of the drunkest cities because, you know, there's, it's a small town. There's not a lot to do. You smoke weed, you drink, you make babies, you know, maybe. Um, not everybody's like that, but, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what happens in a small town, right? Right. You, you don't have too many things to do. Sure. You know, when you're not jumping off of waterfalls or, you know, hanging out with your friend, you're, you're drinking and hanging out with, you know, your family and friends. But yeah, for me, I, I think I, I never grew up around it. My, my parents never really drank. So I think that was one thing, even though my, I, I've seen friends and, you know, classmates drink or do drugs. I just never had an interest in it. I, I feel like I always had this natural high, this natural ability to just have fun. And I know I, I didn't feel like I needed other stimulants and I got, you know, I got everything I needed from sports, from family, you know, from friends, you know, video games, whatever it was, I got that, that, that rush. So I never really needed anything to, you know, to, to replicate that, that feeling. Um, and as an adult, you know, you end up realizing you save a lot of money. Um, I love being in control of my actions at all time. 
I saw a lot of friends do stupid things and I never wanted to do that. And I don't, I'm, I don't mind taking care of people. I, I like being the DD. I, my nickname is Kamaka DDDS. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, Kamaka DDDS. <laughs> Whenever you need me, just let me know. <laughs> that's, that's a good friend to have, man. And, and I think, yeah. yeah. And more so than just in the ride on a night out. I mean, I think to have an individual like you in a peer group is huge um, because the people we surround ourselves with are very influential, you know, and especially in Hilo, like you're saying like there is a, you know, drinking culture, you know, to, to have a friend like you in the, in the friend group is probably very impactful to your loved ones, whether or not they, you know, ever verbalize that to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think important. they just, my friends just <laughs> me around because it's me on Ubers. I don't know if they actually <laughs> So, yeah. So we mentioned Hilo and that's, this could be a good learning lesson too for, for us uh, who are not familiar. So Hilo is on the island of Hawaii and mm-hmm. that is not where most people would go probably, right? Because it's less populated, uh, a bit more isolated perhaps. So so where does Hilo fit in within the context of the island of Hawaii and where does that island fit into the wider picture of the islands as a whole? Yeah, so Hawaii has a, it's a chain of eight islands. So Hawaii Island or Big Island, as we call it, um, that's just that's the biggest island. You know, more um, it's more there's more land, but it's not the most populated island. The most populated island is Oahu Island I'm on right now, and that's where Waikiki is. We're right here Honolulu. All the it's more touristy. Uh, it's a lot more congested. You know, the, the outer islands are a little bit more country. Um, it's not as fast paced. So Hilo, where I grew up, it, you know, it's. It's more country, very slow pace. We didn't really grow up seeing too many tourists, which was, you know, nice because we it was it had that local family vibe to it. So even when you go from that to a, a place like Oahu, which is more city, to me it feels like more mainland. Because I, I moved to Oahu my senior year of high school, um, just by myself to live with my auntie to play sports at another high school over here, um, and just that that transition that transition alone. I was just like, wow, these people are different. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not as mellow or they're just, I don't know. I don't want to hate on Oahu people. I love a lot of people here, but sure. there's, there's definitely, <laughs> you can tell the, the vibe, the energy of people from the outer island and from the city and from like a bigger place like this. Yeah. I'm not going to go into detail, but yeah, there, there is a, a difference. For sure. I think that, is one thing that may be a bit more universal, just that cities kind of amplify. It feels like people need to be buzzing around and they have to be busy and look busy and be productive. And, you know, when, when we get space from that, connect with the earth more and also have time to reflect, the, the priorities just change. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. For sure, man. So... And what the another thing I found really interesting about learning about the islands was that this whole concept of land ownership was is a foreign concept, um, and that the land was did never really belong to anyone necessarily. So 
what what is that culture and and also i think as a broader topic it seems as if the Hawaiian people are quite connected to the land. So what, what is that relationship like between the land and, and the people? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great thing to bring up. So in Hawaiian culture, you know, the, the, we, we are connected to the land. Like one of the, the first Hawaiian was, you know, it, it's the, the history is, you know, there was this stillborn baby. They, they planted him into the ground and he sprouted, out to be a like a taro plant, which we call kalo. Mm. Um, so they say like the Hawaiians come from the land, and we are all part of the land just like that. And in Hawaiian culture, we always respected the land, like it like it was un, like a person, right? Like you you that's why when people litter or something, or they they do something to land, it, you know, it almost hurts to us because that that's that's part of us. And there's also Hawaiian proverbs like. Um, which means the land is chief, man is just its servant. You know, so the land was here before us. You know, we we weren't given the land. We, we just occupy this land, this space that we're on. So it's our responsibility to take care of it because when we take care of the land, the land will take care of us. You know, that's why cultivation, you know, we had this whole ahupua'a system, which is like this, um, uh, what is it called in English? But it's like, that, like the farmers would take care of everything and like the fishermen would take care of everything on this. Like a, a barter economy? Kind of, yeah. But it was this, this ecosystem where everybody had their roles yeah. and responsibility and it was sustainable and it was efficient or self-efficient where, you know, the land, the I mean, yeah, the, the land, everybody in Mauka, like in the mountains, will take care of everybody down at the sea. And, you know, like the streams, like, if we didn't take care of everything up here, the streams will won't be clean. So the stream can go into the the wetlands. So it would and um and feed the crops. You know. So it was, it was all it was all like we all had our responsibility and we all you know were self self sufficient. And that's like the goal, right? That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Not to have to rely on all the, these imports to bring us food and pot. Uh, produce. Yeah, I think about ninety percent of Hawaii's food is imported. So if the ships just stop one day, it probably lasts like two weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And maybe that could be a cool. There's also on the show. I like to talk about solutions. Right. All these various problems or challenges, and a solution could be to promote maybe like traditional agriculture or community community gardens, that kind of thing to kind of lower that dependency also because of kind of the, the realities of the day, like um, supply chain issues, mm-hmm. you know, that, that situation is about probably a bit closer um, compared to previous to COVID, you know, the, uh, actually having a, that kind of challenge importing essential goods. Yeah, def- definitely. hundred percent. And it's something we've, uh, talked about on the podcast and i think there are movements you know aina movements land movements like that um but I, I think it's this it's still slowly you know catching catching momentum and i think more people are starting to realize how important it is and i like like i said at the end of the day it comes to education you know how how much knowledge can we share with the masses 
and how much of that knowledge do people actually want to ingest, you know? And not everybody's open to it. Totally. Everybody's really stuck in their way. We've, yes. We've done it like this for how many years? Why change? Yes. Have you, so with that generation that was denied access to the language and as a byproduct of that, the culture, have you seen a similar resistance in that age group at some points? Or are there people who who kind of needed uh, some warming up to, to reconnect with their roots? Maybe it would be a good way to put it. No, that's I'll, me. I I went to Hawaiian. <laughs> I had everything in front of me. was was taught Hawaiian history. You know how to farm. Like everything was in front of me. But I didn't care about that growing up. I didn't see the importance of the language. You know, I, I spoke mm-hmm. it every day. I didn't want to speak it. You know, even when I was growing up in the you know nineties, early two thousand. You wouldn't hear Hawaiian language around too too much. So my dad only speaks Hawaiian to us since we were babies. So we'd be out in public and he'd speak Hawaiian to us. And I always remember feeling a little shame trying responding to him. Like, mm. I didn't want people to hear me or, you know, like I didn't want people to think I was weird because I was speaking this language and everyone else is speaking English. But as you get older, you realize the importance of, you know, Hawaiian and the culture. So it wasn't until I left Hawaii, you know, I studied abroad in Spain, studied abroad in Argentina, left to Madagascar. And that's when I, you know, I was so intrigued by these other cultures. Like, wow, Spanish culture is so cool. You know, Malagasy culture is so cool. And then I'd have people tell me, like, you live in Hawaii. You know, you live where people <laughs> And then they, I tell them I speak Hawaiian. And then they'd say, oh, well, does everybody speak Hawaiian? And then I, you know, I have to think, Oh no, no, not everybody speaks Hawaiian. It's actually very rare that you met me from Hawaii and I speak Hawaiian. And then, you know, just having those interactions with people really made me grateful for my upbringing and everything I had. So, you know, there, there's a lot of people like that. There's so many people like that that are disconnected from their own roots that, you know, as adults that they, they have to really, they, they only get into the, the language or the culture. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's an ongoing problem. And that's why having these conversations openly, it, you know, it, it's really good for people to hear because it, they don't feel alone, you know, especially with social media. They're like, oh, Kamaka, he speaks Hawaiian. He's this super native guy. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm probably just like you where we, I'm still learning about who I am, our culture. We're, we're on the same level. Just because I speak Hawaiian or I went, you know, I have this background doesn't make me any better than you. You know, it's, it's only been less than a hundred years, you know, so less than fi- about 50 years since we were able to speak our language again, since we were able to, you know, practice our culture again. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out what it's like to be Hawaiian in this modern era, you know? Totally. And, and, Again, kudos to you for creating that space. And I think what you what you hit on there was this insecurity that we all have about ourselves. So let's say, and it could be someone else listening on the mainland who maybe has other heritage or identity and say they're a first or second gen kid from other parts of the world, and maybe they had that they can resonate with that story, you know, of of being embarrassed by their parents speaking the language or even say, thinking, oh, uh, this other person 
you know, is so much better at the language than me, but really, you know, no one else really cares about where you or me are at as an individual. They're worried about themselves. And I feel like that's a really big part of growing up yeah. <laughs> is kind of realizing that. Yeah. Realizing that the world doesn't revolve around you. A spotlight effect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and, and within that, you know, you talked a little bit about your, your dad, for example. So that kind of pivots over to the, the masculinity side of things which is a lot of where I like to go with conversations because as men, I think that, you know, we, we definitely have certain, at least in the mainland here, certain privileges when it comes to um, traditional social norms, traditional gender norms, for example, of um, kind of being encouraged and expected to go work and make money or, you know, having power in the family dynamic, but also there are a lot of limitations. So, there are actually a lot less boxes that men can fit into when it comes to say how they dress or how they act, what they do for work, um, who they can date. These kinds of things are all not really said, but they're encouraged and communicated uh, through the culture. And I was, you know, I would love to hear how you approach that as far as, you know, let's say in your own community, um, let's say there's someone, a person you care about who maybe doesn't fit into the norm and doesn't fit into kind of what everyone expects them to be. How do you go about supporting them and kind of making them feel safe for them to be themselves? Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that you, you talk about that. I, I think that's super important. You know, I love breaking down gender norms, social norms, all, all these things, especially when I was in Madagascar in the Peace Corps, that was one of our, our goals was, you know, women empowerment and you know, breaking down gender roles and gender norms, you know, like women, they can do what men can do, you know, just as well or even better, you know, or men, men can cook too, you know, in, in these, uh, yeah. countries, they're, they're very, very old school, you know, like men don't do this, men don't cook, men don't clean, they don't get water. Um, and you know, it's our job as peace volunteers to be like, to lead by example, you know, they see, they see us washing clothes. They're like, whoa, but, you know, men don't wash clothes. But, oh, no, men can wash clothes. Women can work in the field. You know, there, there's these things that we can do to inspire others. And all, all you have to do is lead by example. You know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. For, um, you know, for me, uh, yeah, I never really cared about, you know, having the lifted Toyota Tacomas with the gold chain acting up. <laughs> Drinking, you know, dude. It's a huge social pressure for men, you know, trying to fit in and act yep. up. How many beers can you drink? You know, how many shots can you take? I I never conformed to to that. So I I feel, you know, when when I'm able to, you know, hang out or talk to other people and you know share my story with them, I I think it. Well, I hope that it inspires them and kind of makes them realize like, well, we don't have to just fit into this box. You know, we can, we can create our own path. And I think I'm just blessed with, you know, my, my family, my dad was a very loving um, dad and I have step parents. My um, parents got divorced, but they were all, they're all, my parents are really cool with each other. You know, we, we have dinner together with all my siblings. So I, I think it's the, you know, the environment that, that you, you grow up in. And for, for people who are maybe struggling with this, you know, I, and I see kids, I see young kids just acting so dumb. Like sometimes I just want to 
you know, slap him or just talk to him like, what you're doing is not <laughs> 10 years, you know, you acting this bravado, this like, you know, I just, I just went surfing the other day and it was just me and some, some kids, maybe they're like middle school, high school. Uh, and I, I didn't know how to say hi, but I was mostly just listening to, you know, their interactions with their friends and, you know, they're kind of just like teasing each other, kind of like, you know, saying, saying things that, you know, aren't very appropriate to each other. And you, you, <laughs> For sure. like they're trying to be cool or, you know, even it's like you, it's, it's almost disrespectful too. like, even you know, as an adult trying, trying to talk to them and, you know, they're kind of rude and I just want to be like, what you're doing now, if you, you show aloha, if you, you just, you know, show love and respect, that's going to take you so much farther than what you're doing now. And, you know, but the honest truth is you, somebody could tell me that when I was growing up and I, maybe I, I wouldn't have listened to them. You know, somebody could have told me that, you know, what you're doing now, Hawaiian culture, Hawaiian language is so important. And I still probably wouldn't have listened to them. So I, I think all we can do is do the best that we can to lead by example, be the aloha we wish to see in the world. And if people follow, they follow, but everyone will have their own journey to that. You know, whether it takes them a couple months, a year, five years, 10 years, eventually they'll get there. But that's what I believe. I, I share your optimism, although it can be hard. Yeah. You know, especially after being hurt by people, right? And for me, it's just with someone who I very close to hurts to me, hurts me. That's when it's going to be really hard to kind of hold on to that optimism. But I think you're right. And also what that kind of leads on to is just the idea that we can't change people. Mm-hmm. You know, we can put out the podcast with the positive messages or supporting the local community, but you can't, you can't make anyone listen. You can't make anyone want to change. You can only offer up some tools and, and, and some, some positivity and they can take it with, you know, they can run with it or not. Yeah. It's like language. You can't, you can teach language, but you can't teach an interest in language. And I taught English for, for two years in Madagascar. And I always thought that like, there are, that's just the reality. I can't, if I'm just, you know, getting so stressed out, like, oh, these kids are just not interested in learning English. They just don't want to learn. Um, but that some people just aren't interested in that. And you, you have to accept that. Um, but yeah, the people who are, you know, then, you know, that that's awesome. They, they excel, they succeed. Um, and that's with anything. Yeah, I, I just like to, you know, relate it to things in my life. Like, you know, anything is this, it comes down to interest. And that's something that you can't teach. It's just innate. Totally. And also on the masculinity topic, I think a lot of, for myself, when I think about the man I want to be, the force I want to be in my community, comes down to core values and the things that I care about and want to promote. So with you as an individual, kind of creating community, I'm sure you've thought about that too. And, your core values. So for you, what are the things that drive you and are kind of your core values and leading into that? What do you think it means to be a good man? Yeah. Uh, honest, 
honestly, kindness, aloha. You know, I always like to use the word aloha. It's, you know, love, compassion, everything. Mm-hmm. I just feel like being a good person, that's all you have to do. You know, you don't have to be, you know, there's, there's success, success, you know, is subjective, you know. If, you know, you just want to make money and you want to, you know, have these, all these accomplishments, that's great. But I think the most successful you can be is just being a kind person, being the kind of person that when, when someone talks bad about you, they have to question that, you know, like, really? Like he's, he was the kindest guy ever. He was so nice to me. And I, I feel like kindness is infect, is infectious. And when, uh, so for example, when I did my race to 50K, when I paid off my student loans in one year, it was all based off the idea that kindness or everyone is inherently kind. You just need to give people the opportunity to be kind. And in 11 months, I paid off $53,000 of student loans just by going out and helping others. And I didn't charge anything. I just let them donate whatever they wanted out of the kindness of their heart. But that was just a perfect social experiment to show there are nice people out there in the world. We just need to give them an opportunity to show that. So for me, the, my, you know, the, my strongest core values, you know, just kindness, aloha, and of course, family, you know, family is everything growing up in Hawaii. You, you learn family is important. Everyone is auntie and uncle. Everyone's your cousin. Everyone's your brother, your sister. You know, family, there's nothing more important than family. I have it. I have it tattooed on my arm. You know, ohana. Sick. Yeah. So, yeah. Family, kindness, love. I mean, and of course, you know, hard work. You know, if, if we want to talk more, you know, business sides, you know. Thing, if you want to accomplish things, you have to work hard. You, you just have to. You know, there's nothing that's going to be given to you. You know, maybe maybe you come from a very wealthy family and you know that you have things given. But I'd much rather you know come from nothing, work hard, earn everything, than just be given everything. Because it, it teaches you so much. The struggle teaches you more than success can ever teach you. Certainly. And I, most anyone who's, you know, deemed successful, however someone wants to define success and you go look at them and hear them speak about their life and how they got to that successful point. It's through failure. Mm -hmm. It's through being challenged and having core values shaken, you know, and, and, and rattled and having to think about it and never give up. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I think I think for me, I I really rest hang my hat on empathy. I try to be empathetic to everyone I meet, and um, understand that I could be in anyone else's shoes very easily, um, depending on life circumstances, challenges, setbacks, and just try to even with people who are nasty or, or kind of seem acidic just to understand that at the root we're all people. And you know, that person who kind of got lost along the way was, was a kid once, you know, and that they ultimately everyone deserves love and respect. So that's kind of how I try to, how I try to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I like how you said empathy because, you know, that's something that I realized later on in my life. You know, I'm, I'm a very optimistic guy. But sometimes that can be off-putting to some people because they're like, why is this guy so happy? 
you know, did he not have a hard childhood? Did he not have these struggles? But no, I've had a lot of hardships. I just embraced them. Um, but to some people, they are dealing with trauma. You know, they come from, you know, what could be deemed as harder than, you know, what I experienced. So I think being compassionate and, you know, being empathetic, like, okay, may, maybe they're a little, they're not as nice because they're going through something, you know, and, and that, that has, <laughs> I've experienced that. And, you know, for sure. down and kind of like step, step back and instead of like retaliating, just like, just choose a law to show them a law because maybe they're going through something that I don't understand. Uh, and, and that, that happens more often than we think. Not everybody is as open to talking about things, talking about their feelings, sharing, you know, how their emotions. So, um, yeah, I don't know what, what I'm curious. Well, what was your upbringing like? And, um, what was your motivation for starting this podcast? Cause I'm sure something probably ha- have, has happened personally for you to want to, you know, start this podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you shared it before. Yeah, man. I, I, I grew up. No, it's a great question. Um, it was, I would say a twofold motivation. So I grew up, uh, both of my parents were together. I have two siblings, um, comfortable upbringing. It was, it was kind of a con- confluence of, uh, factors that kind of shaped who I am, but grew up, um, in New Jersey until I was in eighth grade. And my family moved to Philadelphia into the city and that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. It had some experiences. Um, it kind of just, um, became less sheltered, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of opened up, that kind of struck an open mind in this court in me connecting with people who are very different than me, seeing more walks of life. Um, and then my parents divorced when I was in college and there was a, and this is something they both, I think would be comfortable with me saying is this, that, you know, in their relationship, there wasn't the communication, right? There wasn't the um, identity of, okay, here are the problems. Let's communicate about it. Let's talk about it. And so that led to them eventually, you know, s- separating, right? And so for me, that combined with just observing the the behavior of the men around me in my peer group, in my age group, a lot of the same things you have said, you know, just like having the truck, shooting guns, drinking, trying to, you know, hook up with girls and just kind of just having only those things be important and, and not really, and also treating people poorly. Um, and the last kind of big motivator was just the whole discussion on the mainland about um, civil rights and the racist history of the United States. And these things, again, all kind of prompted me, like I said earlier, thinking about the privileges I have about how can I change? How can I be a force for change? How can I normalize um, more healthy discussions and behavior? Because I think that a lot of societal ills um, will actually be alleviated if, if we can teach men how to identify and manage strong emotions and also act with responsibility. So that's, awesome. and that's what the podcast does. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important. You know, I, I think being being able to communicate these things and not be afraid to, you know, share share these things, especially for men with the whole toxic masculinity thing going on. I, yeah, sometimes I just yeah I just see other people and I just want to show them the bigger picture. I could just communicate like totally. Yeah, just 
Yeah, on the other side of well, we're doing it, man. so many beautiful things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, yeah. In many areas of life. And the cool thing I think too, is that like for each one of those other sides, you and I have identified, there's thousands more, you know, in ourselves. And I think that's the beauty of kind of looking inward. Yeah. And, but I think the same with me, the way you got to that place is by leaving your comfort zone, you know, whether that was moving and even going to things that you aren't used to, or you're just not comfortable with Like your, your parents getting a divorce in college that that's as an adult, you know, I didn't have to go through that. I, I went through it as a kid. So it's a little easier. You know, I grew up with my step parents and all that. So it just like being put in that situation, that uncomfortable situation. Yeah. It sucked, but like it probably taught you so much and, you know, leaving, moving, you said, you know, you grew up born in Jersey, went to Philly, opened your eyes, you know, probably went to college somewhere else. And now you're, you're going to move to another country, right? All, all these are opportunities yep, yep. for growth. That's all it is. It, it, it's amazing. Totally, dude. But it all starts by leaving your comfort zone. Yes, I think I agree, man. I think that's such a important thing to identify and push past just a little bit more, you know, the comfort zones and, and understand too that failure comes with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like me, I mispronounced your name. I, I said your name wrong in the, in the podcast, you know, the first like that is it like, <laughs> I don't expect you to know everything that I know, you know, and that, that's some, that's something right. that I, I learned like before, maybe I'll just be okay with it. Like, and I'll just let them keep doing that. But if I don't correct you, then you're just going to keep doing it and you're not going to know, you know, but also I shouldn't get angry because if you come to my house and you walk straight in with your shoes on, and I get so upset with you. Like, oh, why are you doing it? That's so disrespectful. But maybe to you, that's not disrespectful. That's just part of your culture, you know? Maybe over there, you guys walk in the house with, with shoes on. Over here, we don't. So in, instead of getting upset at those situations, it's a great opportunity to educate. And I, and I, and I would hope that's what people will, will start doing more instead of just quickly just, you know, um, reacting to those situations yeah so yeah I, I love it I, I felt like you know I already just from us talking for that you know couple minutes prior to this I'm like okay I, I feel like I'm comfortable with Thomas I can at least tell him that and he'll be cool with it he'll be he, he won't get offended or embarrassed that he, you know he pronounced my name incorrectly you know I, I do I pronounce things incorrectly all the time <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I I agree. Just in that little encapsulation of kind of what two open mindsets can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right there. Open mind. Yeah. Open. And yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm a shoes off guy, dude. The street's gross. <laughs> Come in my house. <laughs> Welcome to my house. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I learned that though. I, it was actually a. A Russian friend um, taught me that about, you know, like the shoes. Cause I think maybe it wasn't um, always like an a enforced thing, but now yeah, in my spaces, I like that. I think it is, it's leveling too, you know, the like taking off the shoes. It's, it's, it's kind of a human thing. It's like we're not outside, we're in a home, it's a private space, we can be comfortable and we're all on the same level, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of different cultures that, you know, do that. Totally. Awesome. Well, before we jump over to the conversation game, uh, I do want to ask about music. I'm a, a music fanatic and um, I do have a few, I would say, artists uh, in the Pacifica sphere that I like, but yeah. what are your kind of, what are your favorite artists from the islands that I can go and we can go check out as an audience? Let's see. Um, I used to be way more into music um, in college. I'm kind of out of touch, but uh, with working with Hawaii-verse and meeting all these local business business owners, uh, local musicians, I, ha- I have been able to to meet some pretty good people. And I'm not sure. Well, do you know the Green? The Green is they're yes. one of the big yeah, yeah. bands from Hawaii. Um, and but there there's some more uh, not super underground, but up and coming artists that I, I can tell you about. There's this guy, Nick Kurosawa. Uh, he's amazing. Probably one of my favorite voices out of Hawaii. So, but he's super underground. Wow. He, he has a flip phone. This guy doesn't have any social media. <laughs> he has an amazing voice. That's awesome. Yeah. Just sings amazingly. But Nick Kurosawa, uh, K-U-R-O-S-A-W-A. Uh, he, he, he's amazing. Um, my friend Kelana, she's a two-time Nahoku Hanohano award winner, which is like the local version of the Grammys. She has an amazing voice as well. Um, but, and, and I like these two people because awesome. you know what you think of Hawaii, which is just like this, you know, kind of rootsy, kind of reggae island vibe. They're from, from, from here, but they, they're kind of created. They have their own genre, like Kilana sings R and B, you know. And I respect that because you know, they're. It's almost like stepping out outside of the box because you're from here. You you kind of feel like you have to sing that island style music, whatever, just for people to like you. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can succeed in other genres, even though you're from here. So they're they're probably two of my favorite up and coming artists. Um, and then, you know, there's some people like Kimie Minor, um, Paula Funga. They're all well-established. Jack Johnson, The Green, all of them. Ikena Scanlon, these guys who, you know, a bit more famous. And they're just great. I love, I could just keep listing on and on, you know, some OGs at Cole. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you a whole list. Thanks, dude. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Uh, I, I love, you know, just like language I think music is an expression of a culture, so it's always it's always great to learn that way. Yeah, definitely. There's two universal languages. I like to think it's laughter and music. Mm. Everybody understands that for sure. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you can you can communicate a lot with those two things. Awesome. All right, we'll jump over to the discussion game. Okay, cool. So, would you like to go first or second for the? Uh, for the question, we'll each get one question. Okay. Well, you you go first, so I can copy you. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, here's my question: What is my love language? The love languages are acts of service, gift giving, physical touch, quality time, or words of affirmation. Love that. Yeah. For me, yeah, I think physical touch for sure. Uh, Kendall is my uh, partner, and we're like 
glued to each other. You know, like we're always holding hands and that kind of thing, <laughs> Use this term, which is pee-hee. which is lovely. Opihi. Use that term. Okihi. Opihi. Opihi. Okay. Like this shell, this like uh, you can eat it, but they stick to the rocks. I don't know if you ever seen like these these shells. Uh, they stick to yeah. the rocks. So when when somebody's like really clingy or whatever, you say opihi, like you're really stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> you two are OP for sure. We are definitely OP. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah. yeah. I think after that, words of affirmation. I like. You know. I think that's kind of like the the ego the ego side. You know, tell me how great I am, kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Here's your question. What are you currently looking forward to? What am I currently looking forward to? Um, Honestly, super simple. Um, I, I had COVID a couple weeks ago. Then I hurt my knee playing soccer. So I'm just really looking forward to getting back into surfing. I, I love surfing, just being able to go in the water and be away from the distractions. Because I'm very involved on social media and using technology all the time. So when I surf, it's the one time out of my entire day where I'm disconnected. I'm not on my phone. So... I'm just, I always look forward to that, just being in the water. Um, yeah, so, you know, maybe like leisurely, that's what I'm looking forward to. Business side, uh, looking forward to just taking Hawaiiverse to the next level, just, you know, being able to grow our platform so big so that we can really have an impact on the local community and really, really shift people's mindset to, you know, supporting local, um, you know, with our website and the podcast, so. No, yeah, those are the things I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Well, I yeah, I love I love the water too. Yeah. And I think it's awesome what you're doing. Can I and I think the community response is indicative of, of you know how well you're doing it and also the need it's filling. So yeah, nice. good luck. Thanks. Yeah, and uh and thank you so much for sharing your time and your stories and your lessons and um in a bit of the the culture man i really appreciate it yeah i appreciate you reaching out and being open-minded and wanting to talk about these things and share it with a broader audience we really appreciate that beautiful and if you're in hawaii let me know we can go surf. awesome oh I, that'd be a dream i, I will thank you <laughs> thanks man have a great day all right shoot see ya